Before we start the episode, just a quick note about the audio quality of this one. For whatever reason, our connection had a delay and some artifacts in the audio from our remote recording software, and we cleaned that up as best we could. I think you'll find the conversation both listenable and totally worth the small loss in audio quality. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Wits and Weights Podcast, where we discuss getting strong and healthy with strength training and sustainable nutrition. I'm your host, Philip Pape, and in each episode, we examine strategies to help you achieve physical self-mastery through a healthy skepticism of the fitness industry and a commitment to consistent nutrition and training for sustainable results. Welcome to another episode of Wits and Weights. Uh, I'm honored to be joined today by Allison Blood to talk about women's health particularly during menopause, we're going to help demystify the associated effects on weight, brain, heart health, sleep, stress, and other symptoms to empower women to take control of their health. Alison Blood is a registered nutritional therapist and beauty therapist living in the wilds of Sweden after falling for the charms of a Viking man. Allison worked in the health and wellness industry for over 30 years, specializing in menopausal women's health. She currently runs an online clinic helping women worldwide manage the negative symptoms of menopause. Her mission is to support her clients with individualized changes to diet, health, mindset, and lifestyle so they can harness their hormones and get their confidence and sparkle back. Allison supports busy midlife women who are stressed, depressed, have gained weight, and have lost their confidence because all women, no matter what age, deserve to reclaim their health and feel great. Every woman has the right to feel and look amazing in midlife. Alison, thank you for coming on the show. Oh, it's my pleasure. Lovely to be on your podcast, Philip. Thank you for having me. Uh, yeah, and thanks again. Um, I'm really excited to talk to you today. I think the listeners are going to uh, learn a lot and gain a lot of value from this topic, which is very important for women's health. And jumping right into your mission to get women their sparkle back, what was your spark in taking that on? Like, who is Alison Blod? Why this singular but important mission to help women during midlife and menopause? Yeah, we all like a bit of sparkle, don't we? And, and it sounds that when we come into midlife, I think we can lose a bit of that sparkle. But the reason that I, I'm so interested and have worked with, with women for, for so many years and women's health was, you know, my journey started, I actually started off as a, an aesthetician, um, and the reasons behind that was when I was growing up as a teenager, I suffered from very bad skin. So I, I had the acne really as a, as a teenager, you know, the, the hormonal acne. And, and that really fascinated me. You know, why was I getting this? So I really started researching and, and finding ways to improve with lifestyle, taking medications. And, and then that led me to interest in skin and perimenopause because that is an area where you know all of a sudden you can really develop skin uh, problems and then I soon came to reading on the outside on the skin that you know you really needed to work on the inside as well it really isn't enough just to treat the skin from the outside and that's when I went back uh, to university and, and studied nutritional science so I've worked with my clients now you know, really working on uh, nutrition, lifestyle and mindset to, to help women thrive through this time in their life. Because, mm-hmm. you know, we all should and, and gain their sparkle and, and love of life. So 
<clears throat> that's that's what I do. Help you get your sparkle back. Yeah, that's that's a great message. I think uh, a lot of women can take heart knowing that there potentially is an approach with lifestyle, with mindset, with nutrition, before we necessarily have to go uh, other routes and consider medication and so on. Um, why don't we? Why don't we? This is a big topic, as we were talking about before we started recording. Why don't we just define first menopause? Why? What it is? Why is? Why it's important, especially with regards to things like hormone production. Yeah, great question, because even though we hear the word menopause, there's still, you know, even the clients that I work with, we don't, there's so many women, or and men, that, that don't really fully understand what that is, you know, and it, it isn't just menopause, it's different stages. Mm -hmm. So if, if we look at the first, uh, which is called perimenopause, and this on average starts at the age of 45, uh, it can start earlier, we're all very individual, but on average it starts at the age of five. And this is the stage before. So this is really where our hormones, um, in particular estrogen and progesterone, really start to kind of become a bit unbalanced. They, they really start to fluctuate. You know, you still produce um, hormones, but they're, they're unbalanced. And this is where you can mm -hmm. see the classic menopausal symptoms happening, you know, like hot flashes, weight gain irritability mood swings i always like to say you know you've got your estrogen levels which can be quite high during perimenopause and this is a bit like the diva hormone and the progesterone levels can be a bit lower and they're, they're kind of like the calming best end. so you know when your estrogen levels are high and you haven't got that calming effect from progesterone you can get very irritable and you can just very moody and, and anxious and it's to do with the imbalances in hormones. So that's really your, your perimenopause. And that yeah. goes on till roughly around age of 51. Again, and then what happens is when you haven't had a, a menstrual uh, period or you haven't had a, a period for a year, you are then in menopause, which means that you're no longer fertile, you're, you're no longer ovulating, you will still produce a small amount of uh, estrogen and progesterone but you know your levels will go down quite quite considerably mm -hmm. and menopause really is just that phase when you haven't had a, a period for a year and mm -hmm. all the time after that you're in post-menopause uh, and and that can be you know the next 30 35 years of your life it's it's very it's a it's a transition many many years and and everybody Differently. You know, some people do and, and, and have no problems. And, and some women, it can be really, you know, a very difficult time. But postmenopause, you know, it's like a, it's like a new uh, phase of life, really. Got 30 years of, of, um, of life where, where you should do mm -hmm. things. So, you know, what I would say to, to, to that get the support that you need, because there's so many things that you can do. So you do thrive and, and, and have a happy you know it's like a new beginning in isn't it yeah so I, I love all of that first of all the metaphor about the the diva and the calming best friend i think that really resonates in terms of um the perimenopause phase but like you mentioned menopause is this exciting new phase of life potentially for many decades a big uh, significant portion of your life with all these opportunities for health and, and for for just enjoying new things and of course why wouldn't you want to then um 
take care of your health during that phase. So why, why is there still this stigma, though, attached to menopause? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question, that. And I, I get asked that so, so many times. And it's, if, I mean, I, I can relate when I think of when I was growing up and my, my grandmother and, and my mother and all the, the women, in, you know, within my family network, they didn't talk about menopause. It was very, very much a, a, a taboo subject. It was kind of, no, we don't talk about that. We just, you know, the very British, you know, stiff upper lip, just get on with it and, and don't say anything. I think, you know, it's cha- it is changing, especially, uh, I don't know, uh, in your world, Philip, but in Europe, there's a bit of a menopause revolution going on here. And, and women have really started to say, you know, this is it enough we, we want the support they shouldn't be attached to it but I, I think maybe the stigma comes from the fact that you're not fertile anymore so we live in a very mm-hmm. society don't we uh, you know, as, as women get older it's, it's very much based as well isn't it society on how, how we look mm-hmm. you know and everything I think it, it has something to do with this it's more of um you know an ending of, of your youth and mm-hmm. your fertility and it's something that maybe women feel that they don't want to talk about it as much whereas you know right. puberty that's like a new beginning isn't it which you know it's just it's, it's a totally natural phase and every single woman will go through, through it so it really should be embraced rather than thought of as, as you know being terrible and, and we shouldn't talk about it but I think it, a lot of it is to do with women getting older and we don't really want to talk about that and we don't want to talk about the fact that we're not fertile anymore and there's a lot there's a lot of negativity around it yeah yeah that's i mean i first of all stating the obvious i can't relate directly with this but (laughs) i uh i do you know have have a wife and also i've seen the double standard uh with what you're talking about because you know, men t- tend to kind of, I don't want to say they coast through, but there, there isn't this major change or different phase in life, whereas women have this. And hopefully podcasts like like this and the ones you're going on um, talking about this and especially how, how women can embrace it, right, and uh, take control of their health through that phase and, and make it this new positive thing in life, I think, you know, go a long way toward this. So hopefully the world is changing in terms of how we talk about it. Um, so speaking of those changes during menopause, uh, I, I imagine that one of the big ones, weight gain, is is one of the bigger shocks and maybe struggles for a lot of women, uh, which I've seen with clients as well. Why does this seemingly indiscriminate weight gain that comes out of nowhere and sometimes occur, and what can women do about it? Yeah, well, it is. I, I see that with a lot of my clients as well. The main, you know, some one of the main reasons is that they they come to me, but it's just it kind of just creeps up, doesn't it? Even if if you're eating the same and, and they've got the same lifestyle, you know, where you didn't put weight on, you can all of a sudden just feel, especially common for, for menopause or women to put weight on around the middle area. You know, we go from more of a pear shape to, to an apple. And it's, you know, there's so many things going on. So, you know, when we look at research, we still don't fully understand why this happens. But there's many different parts to, to the weight gain. Um, one of the big players in this is stress. Uh, it's, it's actually virtually impossible to lose weight if you're suffering from chronic stress. 
um, cortisol in particular is what we call a store hormone. So if you're constantly stressed, you will find it very difficult weight. You know, mm-hmm. so working on stress management is key for weight gain. But another thing that we have to remember is, is that you can't blame everything on the menopause. The natural process of aging, you know, we tend to less active as, as we get older, which can or may lead to weight gain. Um, and we can't, you have to think of portion control. I know, I know everyone loves food, but you really can't get away with eating what you ate when you were in your 20s mm-hmm. and 30s, when you're 50. So you really, which a lot of people don't really think about, like they carry on eating the same amount of food, which leads to, to weight gain. And then there's another, you know, estrogen. It's a major metabolic hormone. So when we go into perimenopause, there's so many metabolic shifts that are happening in the body that may lead to weight gain. One of those is uh, insulin resistance. Um, mm-hmm. When we talk about blood sugar balance in, in the body, you know, when we eat carbohydrates, uh, specifically uh, refined, you know, the processed foods, that really shoots our blood sugar levels up very quick and what the body does to counteract that it produces a hormone called insulin and insulin really is the nice way to describe it. it's kind of like the key that opens the cell into the the cell and be utilized for energy but what happens when we have decline in estrogen is that we, we don't become as sensitive to the the, the insulin it's kind of like mm-hmm. saying that the key doesn't work anymore and we can find that we have high blood sugar levels, not good for weight gain. But insulin, the hormone again. So if, you, if you've got high levels of blood sugar, you're difficult to, to lose weight. So you know, it's really, again, working on process refined sugary foods. Another area for weight Hunger hormone, leptin, and when we again is uh, it's it's the hormone that makes us hungry, tells you to eat. So if you're producing more of this uh, hormone, then you're going to have a more of an appetite, and you're going to be wanting to eat more. It affects leptin, which is our satiety hormone. Uh, and the satiety hormone is the one that, when you've eaten, tells you to stop eating. So it's kind of, it's all this become balance, and mm-hmm. it's it's the multitude of things that you know make us put weight on in, in this time period, and also thyroid health. A lot of women, um, when we come in, into this time of our have, uh, and the thyroid is like the engine of the body and isn't working optimally can lead to weight gain some some of the symptoms of hyperthyroid glands is weight gain so th- there's so many things you could actually do yeah. a whole podcast on on just on uh, menopause or weight gain. yeah i i love that allison i know i know there's a little bit of delay here so uh, i'm not sure how major it is on your end but i want to unpack a lot of that because what's in, what resonated with me is a lot of times we talk about dieting. We're not even taking menopause out of the equation. We talk about dieting and metabolic adaptation. A lot of these same hormones come into play, right? They get downregulated. The cortisol goes up. Reproductive hormones go down. You talked about the appetite, the hormones, leptin and ghrelin. And 
I want the listener to understand that what you're saying is women in menopause, just because of this physiological change, you know, biological change in their body are also undergoing these things that they didn't have to deal with five, 10, 15 years earlier. And the awareness of this is where you start to then, you know, unpack and make changes. So you talked about cortisol. Um, usually people say that's the stress hormone, but I like how you also refer to its ability to help to help you store fat when it goes up. And sometimes people, when they take an inventory of their day-to-day life, it's not really even about the food and all their activity. It's that they're so stressed that they're preventing themselves from proper fat loss, you know, and it may be getting sleep and maybe something like that. So I think these are important because they, they're, they're factual things about how our bodies work, that if you understand them, you can then go the next step, which is where I think you come in, right? Where um, your, you know, your mission in helping women change their lifestyle, change their nutrition, how can someone start to then modify their lifestyle based on all these changes to manage the negative symptoms? Yeah. So when, when, when it, if, if the whole really need to look at the, the nutrition, you need to look at lifestyle and you also need to look at mindset. And there are some things that you can do to really help manage weight. And I know you, you mentioned sleep there, which I haven't come to that yet, but that is really key for, for weight management amongst other things. Mm-hmm. But I think the main things that, that we want we think about nutrition is that we really want to eat more of an anti-inflammatory diet um, because when I'm inflamed, it's very difficult for all the processes to function as, as, as they should. Um, and estrogen has an anti-inflammatory effect uh, on so when that goes down, you know, it causes inflammation. And when we're trying to lose weight, trying to really rebalance the body, we want to think about eating anti-inflammatory foods. And a very or a style of eating is more of a what we call the Mediterranean style, uh, diet, which is, you, you know, you're eating lovely, uh, fresh proteins, so in in the Mediterranean style diet, they don't eat so, so much red meat, a, a little amount of red meat, but uh, lots of nuts and seeds, all, all the wonderful fats like avocado, olive oil, olives, um, butter, ghee, and then and really, um, you know, getting the majority of your carbohydrates from fruit and vegetables and and whole grains. They, they don't. There's very little sugar and processed foods in a Mediterranean style diet. And, you know, they've seen it always in research. You will always see that the Mediterranean style diet really comes up as, as the best style of eating for weight loss and for overall uh, um, health. And when I for specifically for weight loss, we really try to focus on um, redu- reducing carbohydrates and really getting their carbohydrates carbohydrates from vegetables, vegetables um, or crucifers, vegetables. So for example, when, when you when you're looking at a plate that you would eat from, you would you would have a, a protein uh, uh, and then you would have some healthy and then you would have your carbohydrates from vegetables. So, so to really reduce the amount of energy that you're taking into your body and eating fibrous foods as well, which are very important for, for menopause or women to help detox very individual 
And it's absolutely not about going on a diet or, or restriction. It's really, it's a light and it's, it's a change, you know, giving someone uh, the tools that they can eat in this way for the rest of their life. Because it's not something that mm-hmm. you can just do for a couple of weeks. It, it's it's mm-hmm. a lifestyle change. So it also has to be realistic that people can do and, and delicious. Yeah, no, I, I I totally agree with with everything you said. Um, normally, I don't use named diets, but yet the Mediterranean style diet is one of the the few, maybe two or three, on the planet that uh, is highly compatible. I agree with what you're saying. An anti-inflammatory diet. It's mostly unprocessed foods, uh, delicious foods that you can incorporate, and then most of your, like you said, most of your grains from fibrous foods, which also help with other things like hunger and digestion, et cetera, but then have the added benefit of being uh, cal- you know, nutrient-dense, uh, so lo- low calorie for a lot, of, a lot of bang for your buck. So excellent um, anti-inflammatory diet. Now, would you recommend an elimination diet to get there in terms of making it sustainable or like what are the baby steps or what are the steps you take clients through so that they go from what they're eating today, which could be vastly different from that to where they should end up. So when I work with, when I work with clients, I work very individually. Um, you know, we, we work together and really focusing on their goals because everyone has a, a different, you know, many different goals. The majority of women come to see me, they're normally overwhelmed. They're very stressed. Uh, they're, they're tired all the time. You know, they, they just need someone to, to help them and give them that energy back. Um, so what I always um, work on food first. So food to nourish and nurture the body. So this is really important because we need to make sure we're getting all the correct vitamins and minerals. So really nurturing and, and nourishing the body and hydrating the body. Uh, and also working with that person in in a way that it will suit them, uh, because mm-hmm. we all have different lifestyles, we all have different you know things going on in our lives. So so really looking at what they're eating and the you know taking out certain things, putting in certain things. I wouldn't in in answer to your question, I wouldn't do an elimination diet unless mm-hmm. a particular reason that that person needed it. I mean, if if there's any sign of maybe allergies or uh you know problems with gluten or, or lactose mm-hmm. uh, etc then yes i would but it, it's very individual it's not something i recommend for, for everybody hey this is philip pape and if you feel like you've put in effort to improve your health and fitness but aren't getting results i invite you to apply for one-on-one coaching to make real progress and get the body you desire We'll work together to figure out what's missing so you can look better, perform better, and feel better. Just go to witsandweights.com slash coaching to learn about my program and apply today. Now back to the episode. First is to nurture and hydrate, and then we move on to, you know, elimination if, if needed. So what, what I like to do is to eliminate uh, and then repair and then reboot so really looking, and when when we talk about elimination or, or removing things, it isn't necessarily always nutrition. It can also be, you know, lifestyle habits that aren't beneficial for your health. So it's really looking at everything together and removing those things, maybe reducing them with something else, uh, and then really rebooting everything and getting the the body better, homeostasis. Another key area 
bit of my work is uh, stress. So I, I sit down and we do a stress audit. Uh, because I think really, you, especially when you come into perimenopause, you have to be honest with yourself. And the majority of people, when we're living, you know, in, in this age, we're all stressed on some degree majority of people say I'm so stressed I'm so busy but you really have to sit down and be honest with yourself and, and look at things that you could maybe manage differently so you have time for yourself to reduce because as we were saying earlier it is so detrimental to, to health suffering from, from chronic stress because of bones and mm-hmm. you know what happens in the body so really looking at what is going on stress-wise and coming up with ideas for the, for the clients that work for them. It could be something as simple as deep breathing exercises. You know, if you're, mm-hmm. if you're sat at your desk and you're suddenly starting to feel anxious, um, anxiety is a big symptom of menopause. Amazing. If you just take some really three or four deep breaths, it completely resets the body. It's actually virtually impossible to be stressed when you're breathing deeply. Something as simple as that. If you could do, if you if you like yoga, if you like meditation, great. But the majority of people I work with don't have the time to spend, mm. you know, doing meditation or doing yoga every day. But I mean, that is a fantastic way to, to manage uh, stress. And really, just find it, even if it's just for five minutes, going for a walk, sitting by the window, just looking out the windows. Little things. If you do them every day, you know, really, really. Ma- up and help help to relieve stress and i think with management it's also admitting that you're stressed and admitting mm-hmm. that you need to do something about it rather than just you know carrying on and on until ill or you become so stressed you, you have to look at it and look after yourself so stress audit sure. and then i will mindset um you know try how we can embrace this time in our lives with a more positive mindset. I also look at uh, testing and some in, in my programs as well. Again, that is very individual and it would depend on the client. It, you know, we, we could do functional sure. testing to test, for example, hormones. We can do all tests. Uh, we can look at the, the microbiome, the bacteria. To really, testing is wonderful because you can really get to the bottom and you can really see you know, what is going on in the, the different systems of the body. And then um, it did supplementation for any me- me- deficiencies or, you know, things that, w- that we mm-hmm. want to work with. That's really how I work with clients, but like I said, it is very individual. But my, my main aim is to result, you know, you tell me the goals that you, you've got, that is what I, I'm trying to achieve, you know, get, get your results. Yeah, thank, thanks, Alison, for going through all of those. And I, I like the hierarchy of priorities where, you know, we first focus on the big things like sleep and stress, and then maybe collect more data with the testing. And finally, things like supplementation, going back, going back to stress for a second. Uh, I like that you acknowledge the fact that people don't want to necessarily add more stress to their life trying to manage stress, right? It's like, oh, now you're telling me to do yoga, you're telling me to do this other thing, and I already don't have enough time. So go ahead and work on breath work. And every time I talk to a guest who talk, who mentions breath work, immediately I want to do it myself in the moment and and realize how much it relaxes your you because of the parasympathetic state it is, right? So these are these are excellent tips. And of course, having a coach like like you, Allison, would would help someone because they can individually kind of step back, get that 
extra, that third party perspective on those little things that can make a big difference. So, um, why don't we get into then some specific symptoms that, uh, I think we wanted to cover. Um, you tell me what you want to go over here, but I was thinking bone health is a big concern for women with the prevalence of osteopenia, osteoporosis, you know, the general frailty as we age, which can lead to injury and hospitalization, polypharmacy, reduced function, so many things. I think people don't even think how important that is. Um, We talk a lot about strength training on this podcast as one way to improve that, but what's your advice for bone health? Yeah, that is so crucial, Philip, bone health. And it's kind of the thing, because you don't really, you know, if you get, if you if your bone if you're losing bone density, it's nothing that you really, really feel. It, it's kind of like this silent thing that can happen to you. And, and you know, unfortunately, if you fall over when you're older, if you, if you're suffering osteoporosis or, or you know you've lost bone density, it, you know you can break something. And it you know it's very very you, you can see in studies that the density of bone in women when they lose the estrogen and progesterone goes down quite considerably Mm. so it's something that you really have to think of and be quite active um, nutritionally wise and lifestyle and 100% behind you on strength training because that gives such fantastic results for for strengthening bones so what I say all my menopausal ladies is you have to do strength training there's no that that is a must uh, to keep your your bones well and muscles you know strong and active and so that is a really key thing i mean i'm i'm not a personal trainer but that is what i would recommend that they go to a professional and get advice on how they should be training mm-hmm. as far as it comes when it comes to nutrition you, you need to think about calcium rich foods uh, the, the things that we need well there's many things but the specific like vitamins and minerals that we need for bone health is calcium uh, vitamin d vitamin k uh, magnesium is, is crucial as well so you really have to make sure that you, you've got a diet rich in these um, vitamins and minerals because vitamin d vitamin k and calcium they they all kind of work together to improve bone density so you know we all think of calcium don't we which of course is important, but calcium on its own, you know, it can actually be mental. So you really have to be careful. You're going to take calcium su- supplements that you can buy with vitamin D and vitamin K. I mean, the majority of very good supplements supplements actually have the, these other uh, nutrients combined in the, in the supplement. I'm very much a, a believer in food first. Uh, you know, try and get your nutrients from food if possible. And, you know, when you think of calcium, you think of dairy, you know, milk, all your green leafy vegetables, a lot of nuts uh, have calcium in. Uh, Vitamin D is actually quite difficult to get enough vitamin D through food because there aren't that many food sources of of vitamin D. Uh, We produce vitamin D from sunlight as well. So it's very important in the summer months that we go outside and expose our bodies to sun because the the body produces d through sunlight um but vitamin d probably one of the only uh supplements that or one of the only vitamins that i would recommend supplementing because it's so difficult to get the amounts that we need 
you know, in high enough doses through food. There, there is vitamin D in like oily fish, uh, eggs. But it's, I know vitamin D, vitamin D has been talked about so much uh, through the pandemic as well because of the effects mm-hmm. that it has on, on the immune system. It's a crucial, crucial vitamin for many, many things, but particular uh, bone health. And I know in um, Europe and in the Kingdom, it's actually a, a, a vitamin supplement. The government, you know, the health uh, authorities recommend that people take as a supplement high risk so you know if you don't go outside very much if you're elderly if you live in a, a darker climate because it's so crucial for, for so many different things in the body so that's your sure. your uh, bone health and, and also stressing you know keeping active and avoid again and you know i think every single thing when we talk about health avoiding sugary foods processed foods uh, fizzy drinks because they really like, they they strip your bones that they're, they're not good. It can actually have a negative effect on your bones, especially all all the really sugar laden drinks. So avoiding sugar and really getting your diet from whole nutritious foods. Yeah, ex- excellent answer to that question. I think again, you raised awareness of how the menopause itself and the changes in hormones, especially the estrogen. Uh, compounds that effect for women, right? It compounds the lack of bone density and uh, increases the need for all of these factors. You mentioned strength training and calcium-rich foods and potentially supplementation, which are all um, excellent things. It reminds me in New England here, you know, it's getting cold and dark and, you know, get as much sunlight as I can, but maybe the vitamin D uh, supplementation needs to be looked at. So what about some, some other things that are, I'm not going to say they're less important than bones. They're important for individuals, but, um, Hair and skin, for example. I know you mentioned in your your story how that um, I think you came into this from uh, from from a skin perspective, right? Healthy skin. How can women improve that during menopause? Yeah, skin. It, again, it's it's a it's a huge uh, subject, and, and hair as well. Again, you know, estrogen is so. It, we have estrogen receptors all over our body. So when estrogen levels start to de, it affects everything system of the body including our, our, our skin you know um they start noticing on your skin it's like pigmentation uh, you mm-hmm. can get sensitive skin you can get dry skin uh, you can you can actually develop acne you know as you come into perimenopause because of the hormonal imbalances but it all it all goes back down to really you know eating anti-inflammatory diet more of the mediterranean style mm-hmm. diet uh sure that you're hydrating enough you know enough water and then we you know when we talk about skin that there there are many treatments that you can do that can help the skin because also the decline in estrogen but you, you've got aging process as well because the, the collagen in in the skin as we get older declines quite considerably and the collagen is really collagen and elastin is is what our body needs or the Skin needs to keep them fresh. Uh, protein is key, a really good source of protein for, for health uh, and for hair health. Uh, so really making sure that getting enough protein. And that, that's something that a lot of women don't do. We don't eat enough protein. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also talking about bone health and, and, and it, you know, muscular health, it's not eat pre-meal. Roughly what I aim for a part, 
one size of protein with every meal. And when I talk about protein, I mean things like uh, chicken, fish. Uh, if you don't eat meat, you know, all your, all your soya products, uh, nuts, beans. Protein sure. is, is, is also, going back to what is great for, for man, weight management, because when you eat protein, you become, you're quite satisfied. You can't actually eat a lot of protein. So it fills you up. Uh, it's very crucial for skin health and, and for hair health. And, and using products on your skin that give moisture, you know, an, an older skin, a menopausal skin is, is lacking hydration. Oestrogen, um, that the hormone oestrogen enables our skin to hold water. So as we become older, we, we lose the skin, lose that, that loses the ability to hydrate as well. So you really need to use products that contain a lot, a lot of uh, moisture and sun, of course. You know, if you talk about sun, you really have to think on exposure because that really is so detrimental to the skin as, as far as aging, pigmentation. So making sure that when you apply uh, products that you have, if, if we're talking about the face, if you have a, a day cream with an SPF in, and what the research is saying is that you should really have SPF at least of, of 30 because at aging you know you you when you come into your 40s or mid 40s you really see on your skin what you've done to it in your 20s so if, if you were you know a sun yeah. worshipper when you were in teens and 20s that that pigmentation and that damage that you did then it, it kind of catches up with you in, in later mm -hmm. life and you're suddenly starting pigmentation and and you, you'll see that your skin will age a lot quicker. So sun protection is, is crucial for the skin. It really mm -hmm. is. You really see a difference if you if you protect your face from the sun. Yeah, Alison, it's funny. All of, the, all of the things you're talking about to improve your hair and skin are also things that are uh, good practice for all the other areas of health that we've been talking about as well. So it, it's nice that everything kind of comes together in one big package, right? Eating protein. Uh, I, I hear so many times people wanting to go to, I don't know, collagen supplements or collagen itself, which is, in my opinion, quite a low quality protein for consumption versus just getting protein from natural food sources, as you suggest. Um, and then the, the hydration and avoiding, avoding UV exposure with sunblock, but still going out in the sun to get your vitamin D, right? We have to do a little of both, uh, are all great, great tips. So what about, okay. So I know we're, we're getting close on time here. Um, there's, we could go into blood sugar. We can go into brain health, heart health. Um, maybe, maybe instead, can you share a specific example of maybe a client that you worked with who had. I guess, lost your sparkle, right? As you call it. And the steps or process you might've gone through together to get that back. So we can focus on, on a, a couple key areas that you might've worked with a client on. Yeah, sure. Um, I had, uh, if I, uh, I'll just, I worked with for eight months uh, and she, she came to me. Um, she was overwhelmed, very, very tired. She hadn't been sleeping um, and she had bloating. You know, the, 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 mm. her stomach, you know, she, she said when she'd eat, you know, her stomach just really expanded so your clothes feel very tight. And she was um, in perimenopause and she was just generally feeling terrible and, like, you know, her sparkle had certainly... Uh, so her main goals were uh, to <clears throat> work on bloating and to energy levels. So what we did is we, we looked at her diet 
totally to see what she was eating um, and really started putting in a lot of things that would improve her gut health because bloating, again, is, is a, a symptom of uh, perimenopause. And what we found, we, we actually did quite a lot of things as well, and it was really interesting because what we found that there was um, an imbalance in her gut. There's something called dysbiosis, which is the, the microbiome is the gut bacteria. And, and we've seen in so many studies now that this is crucial, you know, not only to prevent bloating, but for overall health. The, the microbiome in our, our gut bacteria has an effect on everything, even brain health and, and how we're feeling and mood and everything. So we, we really worked on that by introducing probiotic foods. Uh, probiotic foods are things like sauerkraut, kimchi, um, kefir, all, all the fermented foods that have live bacteria in. So she started introducing those into her diet. We got rid of all, all the sugary processing foods and, and introduced whole foods uh, in her diet. And, and once she, if, you, if you take away the processed sugary foods, you will start feeling better, even if you do that thing. So after a couple of weeks of, of eating healthy whole foods, she, she felt so much better. But then we really focused on, on the gut bacteria with the, the uh, probiotics. And getting sugar in, improved her blood sugar balance, so she had much more energy. We worked on, on a sleep by introducing a, a sleep uh, hygiene routine that worked for her. And it was mainly just she, she had quite a high pressure job and it was more giving her time to, to wind down before she went to bed because she was sat working virtually until the time she went, just went back to bed. So she actually took an hour before she went to sleep to unwind, uh, to turn off all devices, maybe read a book or just have a bath. But Epsom salt baths we introduced, which are wonderful for anyone having problems, really is fun fantastic because epsom magnesium and absorbed into the skin and magnesium is such a calming mineral so if you do that before you go to bed you re it really does help you sleep so she was sleeping better she was eating better we worked on her, her gut bacteria uh, she actually lost weight as well even that wasn't her main goal but she was very happy about that uh, and what was so fantastic with this client was that I still keep in touch with her now is that she's managed to keep all these things in place. So it's become a lifestyle for her and she feels so much better and she's really enjoying this new way of eating. It's not it's not restrictive at all. And because she feels so much, it, it motivates her to carry on with it. Mm -hmm. So that, that's what just one client in particular. Yeah. That's an amazing story. And I'm sure you have many client stories like that. Um, and for the listener, you know, there, there are some bigger changes here, but there are some smaller changes that just with a little nudge in the right direction, like the sleep hygiene, fantastic example where you're not, you're not trying to get her two hours more of sleep per se. You're just saying, look, the, the blue light and the stress and working right up until you go to bed is just causing the quality to plummet. So here's a small change we can make. I like the idea of the baths too, because not only the salt baths, but just having a warm bath actually uh, cools you down is, is you know, an interesting thing people aren't aware of. Um, okay. That's, these are, these are amazing things, Alison. You gave us a ton to think about. Um, I do like to ask one question of all guests before we uh, wrap up. And that is what, what one question did you wish I had asked and what is your answer? 
Yeah, I think um, like the positive side, you know, what are the positive sides to menopause? Mm. We talk about like doom and gloom, really, isn't it? It's like, oh, this is terrible. Mm, sure. and <laughs> going down. But, you know, there are, there are actually some positive sides. So the positive sides uh, to menopause are that there's no, you don't have any more periods, which I'm sure virtually all women will be quite happy about. No more PMS. So no more of that, like, mood swings and, 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 and you know, being angry before your periods. Um, you have no pregnancy worries, so you can have sex without having to worry about getting pregnant. And normally, this isn't always the case, but a lot of women suffer from migraine headaches. Uh, but once your, your hormone levels have really declined and, and, and stopped, you know, stopped producing, estrogen your hormone headaches go away and it's also a very impact time I think time for me now now I'm going to look after myself and I'm going to do what I want and it, it's I think it's fantastic to see women when in this stage of their life you know some of them are setting up businesses they're going off traveling around the world uh, it, it, it's like a sense of freedom in a way this is me time and I'm going to go and do exactly what I want and you feel that you don't have you don't have to prove yourself anymore. That kind of worrying about what other people think about you it has gone. You just do what you want to do and and feel happy and, and more confident about it. Yeah, that's amazing. So there's both the mindset and the physical positives of this new phase of life or menopause that women can look forward to. And then, of course, take control of their health and lifestyle with uh, many of the things you've talked about today on the show. So last question is, where can listeners learn more about you and your work, Allison? Yeah, I think the best place to, to contact my website, which is uh, alisonblad.com, and that's B-L-A-D-H. And I'm on all uh, social media platforms, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and that's Alison Blard. Uh, you'll, you'll find me those. But I also have on my uh, website, I have a resources page, which has uh, got lots of free downloads, lots of free with uh, meal plans, you know, recipe ideas. For example, if you're interested in skin health, there's, there's a recipe book for improving skin. There's, there's lots of different resources there that are free to download if, if any of your listeners are, are interested excellent and i know they will be i'm interested as well i'm going to go download some of those and i'm going to make sure to add those links to the show notes so everyone can find you allison it really was a pleasure i think you're helping so many women up their game with regards to taking control of their health during this exciting new phase this exciting positive phase of life and i'm grateful that you took the time to come on today no it's a pleasure it's been lovely talking to you philip thank you Thanks for listening to the show. Before you go, I have a quick favor to ask. If you enjoy the podcast, let me know by leaving a five-star review in Apple Podcasts and telling others about the show. Thanks again for joining me, Philip Pape, in this episode of Wits and Weights. I'll see you next time and stay strong. Hey, before you go, I want to let you know about a free resource I have. They are free guides on everything from fat loss to eating out to building muscle to managing hunger to figuring out the best macros for you and more being added all the time. 
You want to get the most out of these podcasts and your time to look and feel your best. And these free guides will give you a quick and easy way to know what to do. If you want to get your hands on these completely free guides, you can head over to witsandweights.com slash free. That's witsandweights.com slash free to get your free guides and level up your results today.